I want to thank Research FDI for sponsoring today's podcast. They're a globally renowned lead generation firm that helps economic development organizations create real prospects. They've helped over 500 economic development organizations. Let me tell you exactly what they do. They facilitate one-on-one meetings for economic developers with corporate executives who will have projects soon. They can facilitate these meetings to where you travel to the corporate executive's office and meet them there, or you meet them at a trade show, or even have a conference call with them so you don't have to pay for travel. They recently launched a service called FDI 365, which provides you a lead a day of fast-growing companies that will be expanding soon. Their research has helped over $5 billion worth of projects get cited since inception. I encourage you to go to www.researchfdi.com to learn more about Research FDI. As far as I'm concerned, they are absolutely the best lead generation firm in the business for economic developers. Call them at 514-488-3168 and see how Research FDI can help you create real prospects. Hello, this is Chad Chancellor with Next Move Group. Before we begin today's podcast, if you've been enjoying our podcast series, Please go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. That'll sure help us out. We'd appreciate it a whole lot. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Next Move Group. We are Jobs Podcast. This is Chad Chancellor, co-founder of Next Move Group. And our guest today is over from Sumter County, South Carolina, Jay Schwedler. He's the president and CEO of the Sumter County, South Carolina Economic Development Organization. Jay, welcome to our show. Thank you, Chad. It's an honor and a privilege to be with you today. Yes, sir. Well, we're glad to have you. Why don't we start out with you telling these folks where Sumter County is located so they can get a picture of where you are. Sumter is located for the most part, in the central part of South Carolina. We're about 12 miles off the I-95 corridor, you know, home to Shaw Air Force Base, and approximately two hours from the mountains and two hours from the coast. We like to say we're in the middle of it all. Yeah, that is a great location. Talk about some of the recent successes you all are having. Well, it was an interesting year last year, as you well know, in the economic development world. We didn't have a lot of new activity brewing for us. However, we had a great year with existing industry expansions. We um, logged a book to about $120 million of new capital investment. There, we had a Beckton Dickinson BD on the front lines of COVID protocol, COVID products. They had a great expansion, something that's been in the works for several years. We had another nutraceutical company called Santa Cruz Nutritionals open a uh, fortified gummy production operation that really saw their books go wide open as people were clamoring for vitamin-enriched gummy products. They were on the front lines of producing that. Those were two of our, uh, you know, highlighted successes. Of course, we had lots of small projects that were in the works. So we had a good year overall, all things considered. Hey, listen, those herbal remedies, I'm starting to be a believer. I had an attack of gout not long ago in my right big toe. First time I ever had it. And I Googled and tried to figure out what to do. And I ran into this guy in St. Louis. He didn't really even know me, but he saw me limping. He said, you got the gout, don't you? I said, yeah. He said, you need to take celery seed oil. He said, it's an herb. It's called celery seed oil. He said, I'll tell you right where to go get it. And I was in terrible pain. So I went right then. 
and I bought this celery seed oil. I swear to you, within a day, I was at least 50% better. And within two or three days, I was like 95% better. I think the whole country is going to be seeing more of those type, pro- like your gummies, your t- they're going to be seeing more of those type projects, you know, as people deal with ailments like what I dealt with with the gout. Absolutely. And I'm glad the uh, remedy worked. Our executives out at Santa Cruz Nutritionals have indicated to us that they don't see any loosening of the momentum that they're seeing right now in the life science and nutraceuticals. So growing market for certain. In fact, they acquired a small confection. It was a candy company that was in there previously. And when they acquired it in the end of 19, beginning of 2020, they were about 45 employees. They're up over 400. So they've done all that hiring, training, and rollout in 2020. So lots of growth potential there, I believe. Well, one thing that interests me with your background, so everybody's heard of, you know, ADCC, ECD, and all the different programs, but South Carolina actually has a certified economic developer program at y'all state level, and I know you're one of them. Talk about that and, uh, you know, maybe how that's helped you through the years. Well, I've been doing this a long time. Believe it or not, this is my 24th year of continuous economic development service, and so it's been a great career. I was one of the early South Carolina certified economic developers, one of the early classes. Several of my colleagues around the state that you probably know of, Will Williams, Rick Farmer, we've all gone through it, George Kaczynski. It's just a continuing education program that allows us to not only network with our colleagues and our ally economic development folks out there, but also just stay on the cutting edge. You've got to do, it's similar to any type of continuing ed program. You've got to go to your meetings and continue to benchmark and learn and log your time. So it's been a great program to stay abreast of the latest and greatest in the industry. Well, it's hard to believe you've been in this 24 years because you look like you're about 35. So unless you started at 14, did you always (laughs) want to be an economic developer? How did you first stumble into this? It's funny you ask that because I'm not sure anybody ultimately wants to be an economic developer. But believe it or not, I'm a Clemson University graduate, and at the time, they had an economic development track. It was one of the few programs, you know, Southern Miss had a program, Clemson had a program that was part of the Ag Econ curriculum, and you could do Ag Economics with an emphasis or a major in community and rural development. I wasn't smart enough to go into engineering or architecture or anything else, so I decided to kind of fulfill my interest in agriculture and community development through this program. My junior year at Clemson, I was required to enlist in an internship, and I did my internship with the Anderson South Carolina Economic Development Office. So I was 20 years old, and within a few weeks of being in that role as an intern, there was some administrative changes, and I kind of became a default project manager, and it lasted about eight months you know, versus a three-month internship, and I was hooked. And I have been engaged in economic development from that point to the present. So you're one of the ones that actually wanted to be one of these in a way. (laughs) I guess indirectly I wanted to be something, but I wasn't really sure what I wanted to be. I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. Does Clemson still have that program? They do, but it's not called Community and Rural Development. It's just part of the Ag Econ curriculum. There's a few of us still left. I'm sure you know Mark Ferris uh, up in Greenville. He was in York County for years. And Mark Simmons with Parker Pole Consulting 
both went through the same program that I went through. So I have some good legacy uh, cohorts in the program and some big shoes to fill. Well, I'm glad you said that because we put together a show for our members not long ago on all the different continuing education programs and university programs we knew about. And that one fell through the cracks, I guess, because it didn't have economic development and we missed it. So, you know, we got USM and TCU and Auburn and all these, but we missed Clemson. So we'll have to go back and add that. Well, I was just going to say that the AEDC program, I was part of the first class of cohorts to go through that program, which I really enjoyed. That was a partnership of TCU, Southern Miss, Clemson, and Alabama. It's a little difficult being a Clemson guy having an Alabama emblem on my countertop, but I have to take it. Yeah, yeah. I think they've had good success with that. Neil Wade got us to sponsor it. Neil's good about asking for money when he needs it, and I always give him a check. So I think that worked out pretty well. We appreciate you sponsoring that, and it's a good program for the practitioners that are looking to enhance their skill set. We're talking about Clemson. I mean, uh, do y'all have a quarterback? We're about to see Trevor Lawrence. You going to be back in the championship again like you have been? Or? Well, I can never predict the future, but I'd say yes. Getting back to the podcast at hand. So 24 years now you've been doing this. What now motivates you to get up in the morning? I mean, what gets you raring to go other than the actual job and the pay? What makes you really excited every well, morning to go to work? You know, once you get some experience behind you, and you realize that it's a marathon and not a sprint, I think every day is exciting because you can see the fruits of your labor. And I didn't realize that really until I had been in this position for you know some time. I've been in Sumter for 15 years. It's been a great stop for me. I hope to make it another 15 here. But I guess when you're in any given place for an extended period of time, you really can look back and see some of the successes that you've been a part of and knowing that those successes have changed people's lives is really the key motivator. Aside from the fact that when I started, I was a single guy, and today I have four kids, but there's another motivating factor of making sure that my children have a place that I'm proud of to come home to. And I hope a lot of other folks feel the same way. Well, and you've proven you can have career success without having to jump around every two years. I mean, 15 years is a long time. The average economic developer probably doesn't stay but five or six years. So, I mean, you've been there probably three times the expected average. I've been very fortunate. I've been extremely blessed, and I've been a little bit lucky. So I think when you combine all three of those and you have a team that you trust and that they have trust in you and you've built a program that has some success to tout. And there comes a point where you need to be a little bit content, you know, as an early practitioner or a young practitioner, and you've witnessed this yourself, you know, you have to jump around a little bit as a young professional, just to find the experience to be good at what you do. And some of those early stops that I did make every two years for about a six or eight year period really taught me and showed me what I didn't know. And as a practitioner, I like to say, if you're not learning, you might as well get out of the business because it's constantly changing. And that's what really makes it fun. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners. Be right back right after this. I want to thank LocationOne.com. Some of you know it as Lois for sponsoring today's podcast. In my opinion, Lois is the best buildings and sites database on the market. One of the reasons I think that is it gives you nationwide exposure. So I used to be the economic developer in Paducah, Kentucky, and I made a terrible mistake. I only put my builders and sites on the Kentucky 
Economic Development Buildings and Sites Database. Well, Paducah bordered Illinois and was within 30 or so miles of Missouri, Indiana, and Tennessee. So what sense did it make for me to not put my buildings and sites on a nationwide database? Well, Lois does that for you. Looking back, I should have put my buildings and sites on Lois. It's also easy to use for an economic developer. It's just like using Facebook. It walks you through how to insert your pictures and your information and so forth. And the thing I like most, it works well on my iPad. If I'm in an industrial building, I want to be able to look at that thing on my iPad. Lois does that for me. Other buildings and sites databases struggle with that. So if you got 10 or 15 minutes to spare, go over to location1.com, book yourself a demo, and see if this can help your community have more success. What would you say you've learned with all this experience that you wish you had known on day one? I mean, when you were venturing off into this, is there any one piece of advice you would give younger Jay if you had it to do over again? Younger Jay was a very impatient person. I think I've learned patience. I've learned strategy. And I've learned a lot about business. You know, as a 21-year-old rookie practitioner, you don't know what you don't know. And oftentimes, Type A personalities tend to think that they know everything, and I didn't know Jack, and I still don't, but I'm a lot more patient and a whole lot more understanding of trying to better understand what the real need, want, and desire is of our client base, whether that's existing industry or a site selection project that we may be working So flashback to when you were 10 or 11 years old running around South Carolina. What did you want to be when you grew up? Let's see how close that ended up being to an economic development. You want to be a ball player? What did you want to be? I think like every kid that spends his summers on the ball field, you want to be a college baseball player, a major league baseball player. You know, so I think there are some lessons in sport that translate directly to economic development. To me, it is a game. It is a competition. It is a strategy session. You've got to have all your players on the field. You can take just about any sport and equate it to economic development. I often tell my wife the easiest way to describe it is to create a sport analogy of the industry that we live in. And I think there's a lot of lessons as an athlete that you can carry over from leadership to teamwork to, you know, as I mentioned, strategy and execution. You know, I think they all play a hand in how we go about our day-to-day activities here in the office. Boy, I totally agree with that. I think there's so many similarities between sports and this. And I tell people, you know, we do a lot of these executive searches and as part of our process, we'll go in and meet the elected officials and the board. And oftentimes they'll tell us, you know, we want to hire a Nick Saban. I use my sports analogy and I say, you know, in economic development, you don't win ever game. I mean, Nick Saban goes 14 and 0 or 13 and 1 every year. That's not how this works. I said, this is a lot more like the PGA Tour. If you win the Masters one time, you've won it. You're a Hall of Fame. You don't have to win it more than one time. And if you win one tournament a year, you're a legend, you know, because you're competing with 160 other golfers every time you think. And I've had a lot of board chairmen say, I never thought about it like that, but that makes sense. Well, you're exactly right. And I heard you say that somewhere else. And I agree 100%. And, you know, you lose a whole lot more than you win. And you've got to find and be able to articulate successes because not every success is a new industry or a major significant expansion. There are little, you know, in the fitness world, they call them NSVs, non-scale victories. 
I like to say that there are a lot of non-scale victories out there, you know, versus stepping on the scale and seeing your weight change. You may be packing on muscle. So you've got to improve your infrastructure. You've got to do all those things that are necessary to create that fertile soil to see growth in your community. You're exactly right. And, you know, when Nick Saban or Clemson, either one, plays a game, they have one opponent that day. They have one opponent. That's right. When you're competing for a new project, you may have 100 opponents. When you're trying to get funding to run water or sewer, you may be competing with 20 towns needing that money. Even an expansion, you may have an expansion in your town that has a corporate headquarters in Detroit and they have 20 plants and you're competing with the other 19 for that expansion. And much as I love football, you just can't compare it to football. So I think that is very good advice. Do you have any habits that you do every day that make you successful where, you know, just every day you do something and as you really think about it, that helps keep you on track? I'm a habitual creature. I don't like to schedule lunch meetings because I find 45 minutes of me time working out is a habit that I'd like to stay consistent with. doesn't ever change the appearance of my situation, but it certainly clears my mind and allows me to feel fresh. I like to be the first one in the office. We've got some early risers here, but I like to be the first one in and it allows me to have a little bit of quiet time before chaos hits. As you know, in this business by nine o'clock, you're usually off with the fire department somewhere putting out a fire or two. So it's important for me to really stick with a few systematic processes. Of course, that doesn't always work every day, but you try to get back on course when you get off. But yeah, you know, just the normal life. You know, I've got kids playing sports, so I try to make sure I don't overload my day with just work stuff. It's important to find a balance and the kids need your service and your time just as much as your job. So I like to make sure that I'm always looking at the mirror and making sure that I'm as balanced as possible. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners. Be right back right after this. Our executive search spotlight this week is on the CEO search we're doing for the Greater Oshkosh, Wisconsin Economic Development Corporation. So I know y'all have heard of Oshkosh. It's located between Milwaukee and Green Bay on the western shore of Lake Winnebago. They have won all kind of awards in Oshkosh. Number five best college town. Number four most livable small city. Number two best places for millennials move. Number three top cities to find a job. And there's even more, but I just don't have time to go through them all. This is a tremendous organization, the Greater Oshkosh Wisconsin Economic Development Corporation, with a staff of six. So five staff members plus the CEO. When it comes to existing employers, Oshkosh Corporation is there. You all have heard of that. Amcor and a number of aviation opportunities. Of course, Oshkosh is the Experimental Aircraft Association's world headquarters. And many of you have heard of their annual Experimental Aircraft Association convention that's held in Oshkosh. This job's going to pay up to $125,000. If you're interested, go to thenextmovegroup.com backslash Oshkosh. You need to apply before June 18th. The next move group.com backslash Oshkosh. Feel free to call us if you got any questions. Well, I like your advice of not scheduling the lunch means to give yourself time. Probably two months ago in Next Move Group, we've been so busy and growing that I was getting overwhelmed. We actually decided to segment my days. Like you said, you won't always have it perfect. But like now on Tuesdays, we try not to book any Zooms 
so I can mm-hmm. sit and do the work we need to do. And then on Wednesdays, yep. we try for me to record my show. So like you and I record on Wednesday. This little change, I'm doing the same amount of work, but now it's almost like my mind anticipates what's coming on Wednesday instead of waking up and seeing you know 25 minutes. It has absolutely made me more productive and happy, just kind of having themes to the day. I think a lot can be said for having that lunch hour or that day where you kind of reserve to do whatever you need to do. I mean, of course, if a prospect comes in and we're required to meet, I'll give up my lunch workout. I tried to be a 4.30, 5 o'clock a.m. workout person, but with my craziness in my household and kids coming and going, the lunch hour seems to be the best time. And, you know, it really clears your mind. It gives you a moment just to reflect. And, you know, I think as we get older and more experienced in our careers, we tend to take on a lot more just because of the capacity that we're in. And I'm glad to hear that you have found a little bit of time in your day to be set aside for you. You know, I think that's important. Yeah. And, you know, it's helping like, you know, like on Wednesday's now our show recording day and it just kind of puts you in a mood instead of recording one show every day, then you're stopping and starting. Now you just know all day long, I'm going to record. It really works out well. Going through the last year that we've all gone through, I tried to come to the office, even though we weren't always open and some of my, uh, cohorts weren't coming to the office. We were on a kind of as needed basis for a few months of 2020, but I tried to stick with my routine and come in and just tried to, for me only, just to keep some semblance of the ordinary going on in an extremely extraordinary period of time for all of us. I think that helped me mentally get through the challenges of 2020. Well, as we start to wind down, I like to ask economic development, you know, COVID hopefully starting to be put behind us. Not quite yet, but we're on our way. As far as the changes, what are these changes you think will stick, say, five years from now? You think we're still going to be doing as many virtual calls with site selectors and all? Or do you think we're going to go right back to the way it used to be? What changes do you think might come out of this long term as far as economic developers are concerned? We're all pretty social people in the economic development industry. I would venture to say that it won't be an immediate faucet turn on, but I do believe that we will go back to meeting in person sooner rather than later. I don't think the site selection and site consultant industry can really do what they need to do for their clients by desktop analysis only. I think they have to get out, they have to meet the players They have to meet the community leadership. They have to see for themselves the sites and the buildings that they may be pitching to their client. I just think it's worked okay. I'm not a fan of Zoom at all. I just struggle with the concept in general. And the meetings always seem to be glitchy at best. I think as time goes on, we're all going to want to see, meet, mingle, and break bread under the circumstances of face-to-face. I do too. I've done umpteen of these virtual meetings. And next week, I'm actually going to the Missouri Economic Development Conference, the Lake of the Ozarks. And I, I'm really looking I'm looking forward to it. Just for you said, I'm ready to see people again. So I'm looking forward to that. Well, I know you've got a South Carolina presence. I think you've got an office in Greenville. Update. Yeah, John Sitz is our site selection partner. He's located in Greenville. And we love Greenville. Of course, I hadn't been during the pandemic, but that downtown was really coming along. And I love getting over there. It's a great city. And certainly an asset for the state of South Carolina. But I you know, want to leave the offer on the table for you when you're traveling either through uh, 
from Greenville to Charleston or vice versa, we're right in the middle. So we'd love to have you stop in and see all the neat things that we've got going on here in Sumter, right. South Carolina. Well, I would do that. And uh, John's a huge Clemson fan too. So give us your Clemson prediction for this year. It's getting that time. We have to start thinking about football. You think you're going to win yeah. ACC again and be right back where you I always that, are? I do. I think they'll win the ACC. I think they'll make the playoff. And I think we'll finish 13 and one or 14 and one. I can't keep track of how many games they play anymore. Yeah. But. Yeah. And especially after last year when some of them played six and some of them played 10 and all. Well, Jay, thank you for being with us today. Anything else you want to share with our listeners before we log off? Have a great summer. Stay safe. Thank you, Chad, for what you do. We've enjoyed following your career as well. And I hope to catch up with you in person in the near future. All right. Thank you, sir.